Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast. Welcome and Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. Well, for the start of the new year, I thought I'd start things off with a story of fresh faith and adventure. Something to stir you so you can see how God can and does speak to guide us throughout our lives. To remind you and me and all of us at the start of 2023 that as Christians, we're an apostolic people which means we're a sent people. We're a sent people with a global mission. And so for today's episode, I spoke to Phil and Sarah Varley, originally from King's Church London, which is a large multi-site, multi-venue owning, large staff operating, growing and multicultural and diverse church. I caught up with them to learn how God spoke to them to invite them out of the city of London and the church that they loved and on into fresh waters and fresh adventures. In our conversation, we started with them sharing about how their relationship with God has grown deeper over the past couple of years and how they're learning really to rely less on perhaps past experience and their own skills and capabilities and instead to learn to depend more on a daily relationship with God. And they shared some really helpful and practical advice about how to cultivate that kind of daily relationship with God, something that's available for you to watch on the video that accompanies this podcast. You can see that on our channel. However, we then got into the specifics of how God spoke to them about moving, how the prophetic guidance of God operated in their lives and how God ultimately uprooted them. Long-term valued and established leaders that they are and were in a large multi-site church in London, how he uprooted rooted them to plant them along with a handful of people in a new country and a new city but with a fresh sense of mission and adventure. Here's how the story really got going with them. Over to Phil and Sarah. I think the up the uprooting part, I think our journey was kind of almost in three sections. There was a there was a year of uprooting there was a year of waiting on God to go, okay, God, what, what do you want for us next? And then there's been a year of being here. So I think particularly for Phil, the uprooting part was a, was really important. So maybe you want to... Yeah, I'll tell you the story. But I think before I just jump in the story, I think, I think it's helpful to know or to understand. I think fundamentally, I do believe, and I think we believe, I'm, I'm sure we most of us do, but I think it's really helpful to... Fundamentally, I do believe God has the best for us. And I, I really do believe that when Jesus says, I've come to give life in all its fullness. So in a sense, the, the niceties of an established context and all that comes with that and all the sense of security or, you know, being known or whatever that comes with it is all nice. But I, I think we have to trump that with, God, if you cause us something else, then even if it doesn't in a worldly sense look like as impressive or whatever as that was, how you describe it, I still think this is going to be better because I think you've got more for us. Yeah. So I do think the kingdom inverts everything. So it doesn't, you know, it's, that's been great. I'm super grateful for it. But I, I, I do, I kind of do believe, I fundamentally do believe that he's got the best for us and kingdom, just the kingdom is different, isn't it? So we could go to something very small and not known about or anything and God could be leading us into a remarkable sense of, contentment and fulfillment so that I do believe that inside as well so our move landed on top of that sense of I believe that um, 
so therefore I think we could move on. So yeah, so we've been in Kings for, for ages. There was 2019, I was coming into a sabbatical. I had some conversations with some of the senior team and we just talked about the, the kind of more medium, longer term future of the church. And just in those conversations, it started to kind of become apparent to me that maybe, maybe our season might be coming to an end. So there were just some things there that started to make me think, mm, I'm not sure. And we talked about it. I went on sabbatical. And the more in that next year from 2019 to 2020, it just became apparent to us that just that I think who we were, we needed to express that in a different context. And in the midst of that, we just had some amazing prophetic stuff. So I think I might have told you, Jez, at that meeting we were at that we it began for me actually just before my sabbatical where I was at our youngest son Ben's school leavers assembly and there's a guy sitting behind us who used to come to our church and he um so we have a little bit of a chat and at the end of the assembly when the parents are leaving and the kids are going back to their class he leans forward and he goes I feel like I've um, got a prophetic word for you and I'm like okay so that's not what I was expecting so I was like can we go to the playground because I didn't really fancy him bringing a prophetic word over me in the school <laughs> assembly room with all the kids going so I think he was up for bringing it wherever um so we go downstairs into the playground and he basically brings this prophetic word and I've recorded it I've listened to it last Should week again yeah but he just brings this prophetic word and it's just like it was it felt significant at the time but then as we looked back over over that next year it was just remarkable so yeah you can see yeah, so i was i was looking back at some of the prophetic words i've had this morning just feeling a bit overwhelmed by god's kindness actually through looking at them but this guy anthony he he said this um this is going to be a season of new beginnings where old dreams become new visions there's going to be a fresh oil that is going to take fill out of a managerial role into a visionary role and not to fear that he'll give us the exact direction at the exact time I mean, there was a lot more, but that was like the heartbeat of it. Um, well, he said also something else, which really struck oh, home for me, yes. because as we went through the year, one of my big things was I was saying to Sarah, I just don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this to our kids. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I feel like I'm just going to hurt lots of people if we leave. And part of his word is he goes, I see people crying. <laughs> I see handkerchiefs. I see people crying. But God says to you, don't let the sadness of saying goodbye stop you from the next mountain top. And I love mountains. So even the words he was using was like, yeah. but just like, don't let the sadness, because it did feel sad to go, stop you. And I'm like, and this guy was just like, I don't know, it was amazing, just remarkable word. So we had that, and then we had a number of others. We sought out wise people that we just trusted and talked about it you know should we do this are we a bit nuts to even consider moving on um and pretty much everybody's response to us was the same they all felt excited about us stepping into a new season that was just we felt like we heard god through them it wasn't just their wisdom it felt like we were and we had this yes yeah, season of remarkable prophetic stuff and and obviously we prayed a lot um and I just got to a sense of peace and we got to a sense of peace. Sarah was there ahead of me. She, I think she heard God faster than I did. Um, and so by the summer of 20, 2020, we reached the decision that it was a season to move on. And so talked to the elders and made that decision. Yeah, at that point we had um, no idea where. So we said to the elders that we felt it was right to leave. 
but then we were like, okay, God, but where do you want us? So then there was a next, the next part of the journey, really. Wow. I mean, that is remarkable prophetic words. Um, just, I, I, can, I can see how when someone has been so effective in, and used by God in an established setting and you're a pastor, you love people, getting, getting a, a, a plant like that out of the ground to move isn't just a question of, you know, pulling up a bit of soil and moving it. It's a, it's a mighty oak that a lot of people have come to take shelter and shade under. And actually you can see how there's a lot that might need to be said by the Lord and done to help uproot someone in a, in a healthy way there. Um, uh, but this will happen, you said, summer 2020. So this is pan, like peak pandemic moment, isn't it? I mean, it could have been. You just slipped out the back door during the pandemic. The church, the church went online, came back together, and Phil and Sarah weren't there anymore. <laughs> so, Sarah, how did, God, how did God start to prepare you in that season before you discovered where? Uh, as Phil was starting to send, well, had this prophetic word that the school leavers do, which, by the way, I think is a lovely example of, you know, the supernatural at work in natural spaces um, rather than just in Christian meetings. It's, be it's beautiful. But so Phil's got that going on. How did how did that then you get caught by that same faith and vision? I think I think for us, the uprooting, I think for Phil, it was obviously part part of it for him was leaving the church. I think a big part where my heart hurt a bit more well, for both of us, but was around our family. So people suggest don't. Yeah. Moving teenagers is never something you hear advised when people talk about church planting or moving church so I think there was quite a lot for me around just moving our kids and it was like you say the pandemic and I was homeschooling and working and so um each 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 day Phil was very gracious and I think for my sanity and our family at the end of each day around four o'clock I'd drive around to the local shop that you could get takeaway coffees and just go and sit in the car because it was the only <laughs> place cute. I could get I, this, yeah. I could be on my own <laughs> and um and just spend an hour often crying listening to worship music just uh, just I suppose getting my heart in a place of trust sometimes that, running the car battery down uh, as well, yeah so. the first time it was cold so I put the battery on and then I had no battery <laughs> no, the lights no. were left on yeah thanks for that no, thanks for that exposure um so i feel like to come and jump start you yeah yeah thanks i just came and prayed for the car and... <laughs> yeah of course we're in a season of spiritual power it was a remarkable season but i think yeah i think there was just a place of worship so i mean i would sing over that song gyra you are enough if you look after the lilies and the sparrows how much more do you love us you know how much more do you care for us and going god well i trust you with our kids i trust you with our finances i trust you with our home our parents are you know i we both if we moved i had to give up my job so what am i going to do for a job and you know so i mean almost nearly every aspect of our life we're like going okay god we ouch yes yeah. and i think phil had previously like he used to be in a band when we first met and God told him to give it up. And I think you felt God speak to you about, okay, this time it's not just the job I want you to put everything on the table. You know, this is all being laid down for me. So, and I think we kept being given remarkable prophetic words, which I think, I mean, God was so kind. So we had a lot of words about it being risky and scary, um, which at the time was a bit like, I don't know if this is the word I want, but it all, it was helpful so we were on it we were on a camping trip um a friend's parents farm and at breakfast they just walk up and say we feel like god's given um prophetic word for you that you've had dreams it's time to activate them it probably is 
involves moving, it's going to be risky and scary, but God wants you to dream. And God kept kind of giving... They didn't like, know, and yeah, they they didn't know nothing. anything. It's less, but we just, this stuff kept yeah. coming. It was well, like... Yeah. And words about wild. us partnering together. Like this, you know, this is a season for you to do more together and that God wanted to do new things. So, I mean, we just kept getting... Yeah. People just given us prophetic words, sometimes completely out of the blue. Sometimes people we've said, can you pray for us? We're, we're just seeking God for some stuff. Um, so I think that really helped going, oh, we, we've got things to hold on to and to pray into. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just to kind of clarify, I guess, in your normal day-to-day, year-to-year life, do you regularly have people coming up at camping trips and school leavers fairs offering you prophetic words? No, no, I think... <laughs> I think some of this was just the kindness of God in the season we walked through that yes. he he knew, like you just said about uprooting. I think it was a big deal, for, has been a big deal for both of us, but probably my, I was particularly rooted in the church, particularly. I think we both were, but I need, it needed a lot to kind of um, move me. Um, so I think some of it was just the kindness of God just interrupting our world um, but some of it was people we sought out as well. We didn't tell them, but we would. Mm-hmm. So it felt like we got into this cycle of looking for it. And then, but also God just bringing prophetic people to us and us taking it seriously. So I think we've written down pretty much everything that we were given. Yes. We've gone over everything we were given rather than, you know, what was that word? I don't really remember. And I know you can't capture everything, but we, we really did try and capture. And it helped us just map out the themes Yes. You know, that theme has come three or four times. We're going we're gonna to really listen to that. And that theme's come three or four times. And that was a nice word, but I don't know. So that really helped us discern the kind of threads. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the other thing, Jez. I don't know if I said this, but we, <laughs> when we were trying to work out yeah. where to go, we, we went away to some <laughs> Christian retreat centre for an afternoon or something. And we, we mapped out. People had said, you should write down all the things you really want. So we wrote down all the things we really would love God to give us. So we're like, oh, we'd like to live in the south of England. Near our, both of us have got parents in the south of England. Yeah, we'd like a town or a city this size. We'd, I think Sarah even said, I'd like to see some hills. Out the window. <laughs> I was like, I'd like, well, God, I'd really like a church of like two, three, four hundred with a, with a building. And we wrote all this stuff out and it was like, it always looked really good. And it was like, God said, yeah, nice list. No, 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 no. How about 10 people where it's very flat, far away from family, with no... Um, that's... It was funny. So I'm sure yeah. it's a good thing to go through, but it... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it feels a little bit like... Um, you said, I don't know if you used this... What, what was the word you used about a kind of... A, 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 I didn't say vortex, or like a wind or something, but like a gathering sense of momentum, like something's beginning to move from maybe the initial unsettling in your own heart inclinations is this the time to move and then someone like that then creates some kind of spiritual magnetic pull where people who are with prophetic sense start to recognize god speaking to these people now but then you also there's something quite key there about not despising prophecy you know writing it down if you're really keen for god to speak to you you have to how you have to, I guess you have to safeguard against living your life in a very, or maybe you don't, maybe, maybe this is a Western import. I was going to say a very super spiritual way that tries to see and hear God in everything. But are we wrong to even fear that kind of what we call super spirituality? Um, or talk to us about not despising prophecy and trying to hear God in everything and where, where it might have its borders that tip over into perhaps an unhealthy way of 
I mean, I think it's probably helpful to say I'm, I mean, I think we're both like this, but I would be fairly, um, I hope I'm not sceptical, but do you know, I'd be pretty considered about stuff. You know, I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not that way naturally. So um, I think that helps. So I'm not, you know, that's not kind of how I normally live my life. But um, we have good friends from the States called Steve and Cindy Nicholson. Steve used to work with John Wimber back in the day in the vineyard. So strong prophetic gift and strategic gift. And we, I remember having them around our house for tea once and, and uh, one of our children was asking Steve, how do you know if a prophetic word is from God? And he just said, well, you have to bring it which was very frustrating for this particular child. They're like, how do you know? And he's like, you just have to bring it. And this went on for quite a long time over the meal table. <laughs> and then he said these words, which I don't know if our kids noticed, but I wrote down, because he said, but I bet you anything you like, God's speaking to you more than you realise. And those, I was like, I, I need to write that down. That's so obvious, yeah. but I'm like, I think that's true. So obviously you have to safeguard it, which is why we talked it through wise people, we got wisdom, obviously you're checking it biblically, you know, all those things, which yeah. kind of like, so you test, and that's why we were just trying to get, if God's in this word, what is the, what's the kind of, what's the bit in it, which is really God's on that bit, and where are the themes being repeated? Um, so we were very considered in our process of considering the prophetic stuff, if that makes sense. So we tested them and were quite rigorous with them, um, and I think that already helped bring a sense of security to them. Because I guess, I mean, the Lord's made you with that considered manner. You know, a negative aspect of it can be an inclination towards an unhealthy scepticism. But in its good sense, in its pure sense, it's wisdom and measured approach to living. And so actually it's bringing your full self to bear yeah. on the prophetic stuff, not thinking that something that's prophetic and is, it sits in the realm of feeling and can't be accessed or shouldn't be criticised by the mind. It's actually recognising that God's made you not as, a, as a couple to debate and discuss, but then you as a, as a person with the gifts that God's given you. So let's come to talk about... Um, how, why, and where you got to Rotterdam then. So the Lord started drawing you know, lines through all of your wish lists saying, no, 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 no. I want you to actually trust me rather than just, you know, make a Christmas list. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you arrive in Rotterdam? Or what's the next step in the journey, I suppose? So having, like, told the elders at Kings that we were going to be moving on, um, we're still in lockdown, we're still in a pandemic, um, but we start talking to some of the different sphere leaders and going... We're moving on, kind of, is there anything? Um, there wasn't a lot. Um, it wasn't a time of lots of movement during the pandemic. I think there's probably a bit more movement now. But we ended up talking to Dave Holden and then ended up talking to Chris Taylor, who kind of heads up the EU hub of New Ground. And whenever we spoke to him, we just felt there was something in chatting to him that excited us and our kids have all grown up in London um, and I we felt like if we moved to some small town actually I, I don't know even how our kids would feel with that I think they're used to the buzz of a city and and so we started talking to Chris and then <laughs> I think it's helpful to know that I had met Chris twice so and even that felt God's sovereign kindness to us so I had no reason to have kind of <laughs> But we'd met in South Africa and then we'd met in something in the UK. And I was always, yeah, really impressed by him and liked him. So, yeah, so we just got chatting to them. And then they're, 
it looked like maybe something was opening up in the Netherlands, like with one of the churches that didn't actually open up. And in the end, uh, but we'd kind of sort of semi were saying, well, we're kind of, we, yeah, we'd consider it. And I think because we'd already done that, and when that didn't really open up, um, Dave just uh, sent me a message one day. We were walking in our local park. <laughs> I've still got the text message saying, seeing as you're nuts enough to consider any of this stuff, would you consider being a, planting a church in Rotterdam? And I remember getting, I remember getting it and showing Sarah, I was like, oh, man, I can't believe, I'm like, part of me's like, yeah, and part of me's like, I can't believe we're thinking about planting a church now. <laughs> in a, I literally, um, so... So we decided... We got to go, didn't we? Yeah, we were stood in the pandemic, the Netherlands was closed to anyone British. Yeah. Um, and, but in the end, we're like, um, our son needed to start school by September because he was doing the equivalent of A-levels. If you didn't start by November, you couldn't do the course at all. So we're like, if we're going to do this, we need to go soon. So came to June and we're like, Let, let's book, let's go. Let's see if we can get in the country. So we got on the Eurostar, um, but we didn't even know if they'd let us off the other end. We didn't know if they'd let us in the country, but we, we got in and we quarantined. Um, and as we, as we got um, on, the, on the Eurostar platform, I found this on our list of prophetic this morning. This is amazing. I'd forgotten about this. A friend of ours who knew nothing about this said, um, last night I saw a picture of a paper aeroplane um, flying, being delivered like with an invitation. But then I saw it in like Harry Potter style where suddenly all of the invitations just keep coming through the letterbox. And I felt God saying he is or will be sending you a message or invitation. And don't worry that you'll miss it because he is more than able to send it over and over. <laughs> so that was as we're on the platform. Um and before before we left, there's a, a wonderful friend of ours called Sarah who had also sent us a prophetic word. And it was in the morning, I'd woken up and I said to Phil, I'm, I'm tired of not knowing. Just living in the not knowing is so tiring. Um, and then this word came through saying, um, I saw a picture of you hacking through jungle, um, but you get to a mountain top and you get a 360 degree view. And God says he's going to make the way clear and he's going to give you the land. Um, and this the girl who gave us this message was called Sarah but she always calls herself Sarah B because she was like me born in the 70s and every second parent called their child Sarah so she always signs their cards or her emails whatever Sarah B so they were two prophetic words as we kind of landed in the Netherlands we we're like okay God would you make the way clear would you really speak to us while we're here because um, we'd really love to know what you think <laughs> and what you want us to do yeah. Do you want me to carry on the story? Yeah. So um, we get out of quarantine um, and we have the weekend mm -hmm. meeting with different church leaders and that's all good and we feel a sense of chemistry. It all seems to be adding could be good. But we're still like, God, but this is a massive move. We really need to know if this is really you rather yeah. than it seems like a good idea. Can we move our teenage boys? So, is that fair on them? Yeah. So on the Monday, yeah. we kind of have this remarkable day in Rotterdam where it starts by visiting this, a school that our kids might go to. There's some things about the school which are pretty amazing as well. So, But I won't go into that. But then we have lunchtime with Chris and Karen and another couple and we do it at the Euromast, which is a tower in Rotterdam. And um, we go up... The restaurant is part way up this thing, so we got there. It's a nice view. We're having lunch, and after lunch, they say, "Do you want to go up in the lift?" And we're like, oh, "Okay." We didn't even know there's a lift, so we go up in the lift. We sit down, and the lift is one of those things where you sit with your back to the kind of column, and as you're going up, the thing rotates, 
and we're like, this is actually like giving us a 360 degree view. This is a bit, this is a bit like a bit crazy. This is, so we're both feeling a little bit like goosebump, kind of like, oh, maybe God, are you speaking to us? Maybe. And gives you this view of the city. And then afterwards we go back down and we say goodbye to them. And we just say, look, we're going to wander into Rotterdam. We're going to pray. And we walk down just just past the Euromask two minutes. And we're, I, I just pray, God, if this is you, can you make this really clear to us? And um, so the girl, like Sarah said, the girl who gave us that word about a 360 degree view that we've just seen, her name is Sarah B. We walk around the corner and there are these two boats moored right on the edge, two minutes from this thing. It says Sarah B is the first one. It's called Sarah B. The second one is called HS Wisdom. So I see Sarah B Wisdom is what I see. Sarah's like Sarah B Holy Spirit Wisdom. I don't know. But I'm like, that's crazy like I I mean we can send you the photo if you want to show it but it is just one of those things and I'm like I I wouldn't move just on the basis of two boats but that's a remarkable it was God's kindness wasn't it it was yeah it was amazing and we went we went back to the we didn't want to make a decision there and then we went back to the UK I think on the Tuesday and on the Friday our day off we we're sitting in the bay window of our house and we're like literally looking each other in the eyes and going, okay, are we going to do this? <laughs> are we really going to do this? And Phil thinks in his head, but doesn't tell me. Yeah, I, so I have a thought. <laughs> My thought is, God, I'd really like one more, right? And then I have another thought immediately, which is like, don't be greedy. Like, you've had enough. Don't push your luck. You know, God needs to give other people prophetic words. He's too busy <laughs> sorting out other people with prophetic words to give you any more. So I... I don't say it, I don't pray it, I don't ask it, I just like literally dismiss it. And at that point, the, the doorbell goes and I'm selling some of our kids' toys. But they know this. We weren't just selling <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just selling our kids' They stuff. do. We're, we sell, some we're selling some Playmobil because they're now teenagers. Um, and this lady's at the door and she's, she, she goes to our church, but because our, our church is Forsyth, so I, I've never met her, I didn't know her, wouldn't recognise her. But, but she, was, she was then chatting and saying how she loves Phil's preaching and then followed it up because she can do it I while love, she does she's the cleaning. She's a lovely lady. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Comment, but. <laughs> but then um, then I said, oh, have you heard that we're actually going to be moving on from Kings? Because at this point, the church knew we were going. And she said, no, I didn't. And then she went, you're going overseas? And I was like, well, oh. and so I called Phil and she said, so she said the same thing to Phil. She said, I just felt I needed to say to you, you're going overseas. And she says, I, I, I often hear God, but I don't quite know what to do with it. And literally the Holy Spirit just came on her on her doorstep. She starts crying. She's like, I, I never cry in front of people I don't know. And it was, again, just God's total kindness that we're just sitting there. Yeah. And brings this lady to our door and just goes, you're going overseas. Yeah. And, uh, oh, a bit emotional. We didn't even pray it, but it's like, okay, yeah. I'll, just, I'll send someone to knock on your door. So I'm like, in the end, I'm like, okay, you got us. Okay. Okay, we'll say yes. Yeah. But I, I think for us, we were stepping away from jobs. We're moving our kids. We're leaving two kids in the UK, which is super, super hard as a mum and dad. Leaving a community where we'd walk around the block and bump into yeah. normally at least three, four, five people we knew. Brilliant people. Um, a church that we've been part of. And I think, I think it was a, a huge, it was, there was a lot of laying down. And so to have God speak to us so clearly was was just his grace. And then I think this Kindness. year yeah. since we've been here, we've had moments where it's been super tough, but being able to look back. So in our lounge, we have a picture of the Euromast. I don't particularly like the picture, but I love the promise. 
And I feel like I need to be reminded of the promise that, you know, he called us and he who called is faithful. So, yeah, they were precious times, weren't they? Yeah, amazing. Just hearing him speak really clearly. And it, it, sorry, one thing just to add in, I think it's made me realise when, when we hear God, when we hear a whisper and we're like, oh, I don't know whether to bring it. I feel like if we don't bring it, we're robbing people sometimes of, of them knowing God's kindness that God knows, that God sees, that God cares. And I know God can use other people to speak, but it's like sometimes he wants to use us to bring that encouragement to people, which they then, yeah, they can go, oh God, I feel seen by you. You know what I'm going through. So I think the prophetic is a beautiful expression of God's heart of he's the God who sees. And it's really beautiful. That's amazing. And yeah, I, several times as you're speaking, I'm just sitting here like feeling the Holy Spirit all over this. Like it's so amazing because there is, yeah, you see, like you keep saying, God's kindness in speaking to his people. And what's 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 fascinating as well is this story is remarkable, but I also know this is a, a common testimony from Christians who are discerning God's voice for given seasons in their lives that we we happen to follow a God who speaks to us he's personal he's a father he's a friend he leads us and the book of acts is not closed you know that he it sounds like it's almost like you're talking about it sounds like i'm reading the book of acts again it's the holy spirit's at work speaking leading drawing his people and then what keeps coming to our mind as well is his amazing kindness to you to get you to move to where you have done to start a church is really only because of his desire to reach lost people in rotterdam so in order to reach lost people in Rotterdam, he speaks prophetically, supernaturally, repeatedly <laughs> to you guys in London. I mean, that shows his kindness not only to you, but his desire to reach the lost as well, which is amazing. OK, so um, having got to this stage, then you just you touched it. You mentioned it there that just because God tells you to do something quite clearly doesn't mean it's going to be plain sailing when you get there. Um, this is a, we are soldiers in a battle. This is a spiritual war. Talk to us about what the, the last year has been like living in Rotterdam then. Well, I think it's been, it's been a real mixture. So it's been absolutely brilliant in terms of the church. Yeah. And we love, we love the people that we're working with in terms of the wider team. Um, but in Rotterdam, I, we just feel... I know people say this, but genuinely, we just feel super grateful and fortunate for the for the people that he's gathering. So we have just an amazing bunch of people who are gathering to be part of a church plant together. And so that has felt very precious and very sweet and very fruitful. Um, so that's been great. I think the, journey, the logistics of moving country post Brexit, coming out of a pandemic, layered with a sense of spiritual battle has been really hard so yeah that I mean you can talk through some of the specifics if you want but it's been a real mixture in that sense well we moved without a visa without a visa you can't rent a house so we had a house that we were going to have for a year but four months in the people said they actually wanted to sell it so we needed to move but this was in December wasn't it? yeah this was in December couldn't find anywhere to move found one house they just refused to rent it to us so if we didn't earn enough money, we offered to pay six months rent up front. They just, no, we're not renting you this house. So we get to 
We get the visa six weeks before we need to move and three weeks before we move we haven't got anywhere to live and God amazingly gives us the house we're in now which is just stunning but in in the move we end up with a week a week or two weeks either in Airbnbs or staying with friends with our kids trying to get to school and yeah so there's been things around housing we've had some stuff around schooling which has been really challenging and I think for me personally it's caused that kind of anxiety in the pit of your stomach kind of stuff and then just at the beginning of the summer holiday, I end up with a problem with my eye and get referred for emergency surgery at the, the local eye hospital. Um, they, they want to do the surgery really quickly. So we had a two week holiday booked with all our kids in the UK and we lose the, we lose the whole holiday, lose that precious time with them all together. So there's been moments of like, oh, you know, like another thing, another thing. Yeah. Um, and just of, of that whole thing of, you know, you, you were saying about often spiritual warfare is in the New Testament is a lot about just standing, just stand. And there's been moments going, God, we we, we need the armies of heaven. <laughs> we need, you know, you fighting on our behalf because some of these things we we can't make a visa. We can't solve the problem with my eye. We can't get a house. We can't get a house and just, yeah, just standing and then getting other people to stand with prayer in prayer for us because it has really at times felt like a real battle um and yeah not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers you know it's like so we've had some friends who we now meet with regularly who just stand with us in prayer which has been yeah super and encouraging for us yeah i would say though even in the midst of all the challenge and because it has i I think I've underplayed the reality of spiritual opposition. I think I've brought a very white Western mindset to kind of sort of downplay that. And I think, oh man, this is real. I don't want to overstate it, but it's definitely real. Mm. And um, But in the midst of it as well, there've been some just great, wonderful grace notes. So, so where we're sitting right now is in this house that we're renting. This, we visited like obviously last summer, July, whenever it was, 21. And we drove round with one of the guys in our church plant, Rima, and he drove us to this road. And we, Sarah and I, came back to this road. We walked up and down it. So we'd never been to any roads in Rotterdam. We didn't, and we were like, this is a really nice road. We'd like to live on this road. We kind of just sort of said it to our, each other. And then when we couldn't find anywhere to live, because it is really difficult in Rotterdam finding anywhere, and the estate agent says, oh, I've got a house, maybe he's coming on. Here's the address, you can go and see it. And we drive to the same road. It was like... We've been to this very road. This is the road we walked up and down again. You, and then the name of this road, uh, our old road in Catford, was Broadfield Road. That was what the house we lived on with our kids for years and years. Well, this house is, road is Breedfeld Single, which is Broadfield Road on the water. And again, you kind of go, I just think that's just a grace note. It's like, I, God's like, I do know. I do know what you need. You know, Matthew 6, your father does know what you need. Put me first. I'll give you what you need. Mm. Just like, amazing. And we lost a bunch yeah. of money on our holiday. Someone gave us a cheque for the exact same amount of money we lost. So again, I know it doesn't always work like that, but it's just like, okay, I think he does know. And cares. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's amazing. Well, it's funny, uh, even as you said that, like I know it doesn't always work like that. Surprisingly, how often you hear things like that, though. He, he does know, doesn't he, specifically what you need. Um, Sarah, you, you you said that you had the eye operation, uh, and you it sounds like from what the little I know, you've downplayed it then as well. Um, from what didn't you have to spend 
several hours at a time with your head. What did you have to t- tell me about this? Yeah, so I we I went to the doctors and, and they were like, you need to be referred to the hospital. Um, and they said if, I think some of the living in another country, sometimes the translation. So they said, I don't know how long before I hear back. And they said, well, if it's, if it is um, not urgent, um, a couple of weeks, but if it's life-threatening, you'll hear back quickly. But I heard back within an hour. And we know someone that when they had problems with their vision, they had a brain tumour. So we, we had four or five days of n- not knowing what was wrong. Um, unfortunately, I, I didn't have anything that ominous. I had a hole in my retina. And so needed surgery to do a load of stuff, which I won't say what they did to my retina because it's quite bleh, um, but also had a cataract operation as well because the operation can affect your lens. So, yeah, had the surgery. They put a gas bubble in your eye as part to help it heal. And so, yeah, for the next week after the surgery, I had to spend six hours a day um, basically with my head on a table facing the floor. Although I discovered I could hang my head off the edge of the bed and watch Netflix, which was quite helpful. Um, so yeah, I had to do that for a, had to do that for a week. I kept sending Sarah preachers to watch, but she just watched more Netflix. I don't know what was going on there. I did try. It was it it was it wasn't the most fun. And because we lost our holiday, our daughter and her boyfriend actually came out here. But I I couldn't swim, I couldn't cycle, and I had to spend six hours a day looking at the floor. So we did have fun with them, but it wasn't quite the the family experience we wanted. Um, six hours uh, a day. Gosh, yes. that's awful. <laughs> yeah, for an extrovert, it was slightly challenging. <laughs> but, I mean, you just the, the stuff you, you know, said there, the, the feeling of your the kind of anxiety and fear in the pit of your stomach about the school you mentioned, like that obviously horrendous experience of having to sit for six hours at a time and losing the whole day. It, like you said, the financial cost is one thing, but when you're in a difficult situation, you're kind of putting all your hopes on being together again as a family and to lose that. Right. And yet at the beginning, and I said, what's the thing you've really learned? You're like, Jesus is my friend. <laughs> so talk to you how, about that dynamic. Like, it sounds like this is really hard stuff. Like this is really normal as well. Like you, you, there's a lot of fear, anxiety, uncertainty. But yet you're also saying Jesus is really close to me. So it's not like Jesus's closeness means that I don't I don't need to you know, suffer anything or any go through any uncertainty or difficulty or fear. But yet so yeah help me help me understand how how it is that you came to give the answer that you did and that that doesn't negate the challenges of everything you've walked through oh i suppose it doesn't promise in the bible that life's going to be easy when you become a christian does it so you can look at the life of paul or most most people in the bible life isn't easy but i think it's knowing that whether it's easy or not he's still close and he still cares and just I mean for me I, I I love worship and for me lots of truth in worship has just helped keep my heart I suppose it's like it's like the truth it's like anchored me to what I believe so when circumstances are telling me something else I'm like oh no actually but I do believe you're good I really do believe you're kind I really do believe you've called us I really do believe this is where you want us to be and so yeah just spend I think when my heart starts to doubt I think worship allowing for me particularly allowing it to anchor to what I actually believe and I think the whole thing of just getting people to stand with you when you're weak you know because there was times when I'm like god you you told us to come here and I I, I feel like this is almost more than I can bear right now yeah um, but I do believe you're faithful 
and it was interesting out we, we we contacted a load of our friends and got them to pray outside Rotterdam Eye Hospital there's a um, like a, a mural and it's people standing on top of each other's shoulders and it goes right from the floor right to the top of the building where there's then someone climbing on top of the building and I was as I went I, I don't like operations I'm quite people tell me about stuff I don't want to know but I walked into the hospital I was having this eye operation under local anaesthetic it's about a two-hour operation and I felt at peace mm. like a peace that I don't think you know, you know it talks about God gives us a peace beyond understanding and I felt like I was standing on the prayers of others who were like holding bringing me to Jesus um yeah I think also we have told people when we're struggling yeah you know it's quite easy isn't it to not tell people I, I think that happens a lot in church we just we struggle and sometimes people struggle and they withdraw actually rather than engage because it feels a bit vulnerable to tell people and obviously you've got to have trusted people so you've got to invest in friends in the good times so that in the bad times you still have some friends who can really stand with you and I, I think yeah. we have been pretty honest and told people we need some help so I think that's helped us being yeah. a little bit open um, I don't know both, and both are true you know it's like there is a supernatural sense of which you walk through things which are really hard and they do make you feel anxious and in the night you wake up, all that stuff. But at the same time, you can feel a sense of, but I do think we're in God's will. And mm. yeah, God, God seems to, has, you know, I think God has given us a degree of resilience as well, I guess. I don't know. But it feels also, again, in some sense, it feels like his kindness to kind of walk through it, that we, we have managed to walk through stuff and we're okay. Yeah. And I think as well, just for me, I think when I do, I'm, the anxiety I felt is not like anything before. So I think I did get some prayer for that because it just felt just so, like it just came from nowhere. But just generally knowing that when we feel under pressure or worried, that's not how God wants it for us. Because it says, you know, cast your cares on him, let him carry your burdens. So sometimes you know, I'm literally going, oh, I do feel, I do feel worried about this or anxious or I am carrying a burden. Actually then sitting down and normally with my journal and going, this is what I'm carrying. Okay, what God, what would you want to say to me? You know, and actually, sometimes I describe it as like, like aeroplanes flying around my head and actually letting them come to la- like, right, get hold of that thought and then right, bring it to God and let him, let him speak into it rather than just letting it keep circling. So I think I've got far more active at casting and, and actually going, God, you say you don't want me to carry this, so... I need, I need you to come and meet with me now because I am I'm feeling heavy with this. So, yeah. That's really helpful. And um, I mean, the, the Apostle Paul says, I, I don't want you to be unaware of the enemy's schemes. And that's why conversations like this are actually really helpful for others listening in because you see in what you're going through, you know, patterns that others experience as well that we think of the demonic often through the, the lens of Hollywood, which is, in, which is very unhelpful a lot of the time. You know, but I was just thinking, as you're speaking about the book of Job, um, when the enemy was allowed to test Job, it wasn't just, you know, he came down and did these great displays of power or whatever. There was there was assaults on physical things, his either his health or his property or his family or his emotional life. I don't know. You think this is the ease of the enemy schemes. He, he afflicts every part of our experience of reality and that we're then to learn to walk with God in the midst of the confusion that might come from some of that. And it's also just lovely and reassuring to, to hear as well, I guess, for, for you guys 
for many years preaching and pastoring in the church, teaching no doubt many of these principles, that actually now you're in a planting pioneering situation, you're realizing it was these principles of sharing with others, of seeking prayer, of regularly spending time in fellowship with God, of, you know, stepping out into uncertainty, making decisions wisely, prophetic. It's all of the stuff that we teach and preach and we live about, like rhythms of community and Bible. It turns out it works, or it's the, it's the stuff of the Christian life that we need to hold on to like this. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, that wasn't, a, I didn't realise that wasn't, a, it was just a statement rather than a question. I thought, I need to have a... a... <laughs> but such a good statement, because, yeah, you can preach it, but then it, you, can, you, can you live it? Like, and I, can you I, take hold of these promises and actually live them through yourself? And I think there's something about learning these things in different seasons, so that, you know, it is about building relationally with people and having good, you know, one of the hard things about us moving on is we just left some fantastic friends, some people we absolutely loved, mm-hmm. and we still do. You know, we still quite like them, but um, no, we you know, absolutely love them. And that was hard. But I think investing then has also hugely helped us now. And I think that's just really important. And I think learning truth then really, and I remember hearing John Piper say people need to learn truth. So when they hit those moments, it's in them. And I think that's true about all those things. And, there, you know, there is something about investing, whether it's relationally or just you know just in your spiritual life or understanding your emotional well-being or all those things so that when you hit those hard moments where it requires even more resilience I think you have learned some of these things and you've you dug some wells and I think I think we were fortunate we were with some excellent brilliant people and kings who helped us learn some of those things so amazing so talk to us a bit about then your vision desire expectations and hopes and dreams for the church in Rotterdam and Maybe just even in this season, you know, God is no doubt doing a work in you with all the experience that you've got with Kings in London to now think about the type of church that you've got faith for in the future. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, first of all, we're just super grateful for them. Um, we tried not to be too prescriptive about a vision, like, because it's like, we're kind of like, well, God, I think, you know, take us where you want to go. But I think um, one of the really... I think one of the big questions over, I'll answer that in a roundabout way, I will try and answer it. I think one of the big questions that come, keeps coming up in churches generally is this whole thing of family and relationships and obviously how the pandemic has raised the questions over, particularly those of us who have been in bigger churches, is this family, does it feel like family, all that kind of stuff. And obviously we're now in a much smaller context, which is kind of, therefore is very conducive to family and relationships because it's just organic. But I do think it feels super important to, build family together and I guess one of the things I'm hoping for as we go forward is that we will retain that even if we grow and we're talking about that with our bunch now you know as we grow and as we change and as we go into a venue or whatever this is going to shift a little bit but these values are really important to us and it just means as we get bigger we have to be far more intentional about it so one of my slight bugbears is you know as churches scale up is that sometimes people kind of go well we can't really do that anymore you know it's just bigger now and I'm like no I think if family relationships are really important to us we just have to be far more deliberate you know we have to be we have to we have to build that into our culture we have to systematize that we have to create opportunities for that we have to make a very conducive environment for people to build relationally so I guess I'm we are hoping that we have a it's a strong sense of family now and I'm hoping when we're larger we, it will be a place where people feel they belong and they have a strong sense of family because 
people coming from all over the world and they don't have family here. They have family thousands of miles away. So a simple, but I really hope it will be a place where people are, I loved being part of that. That was, I made friends. I felt like I experienced God. I grew, I flourished as a person. I think we want to grow people, not just grow a church. Um, we want the church to grow, but we want people to feel like they flourish. And that's really important to us as well. Do you want to yeah. say some stuff? Um, yeah, I think for me, I think over this last couple of years, I, that the whole thing about it is for freedom, Christ set us free. And I, I think freedom is beautiful. Like when you actually know who God says you are and because you're his child, you can step with confidence knowing you're completely loved. And I think I've experienced that myself. I think I've found freedom from forgiving some people. I think that's brought some amazing freedom to me. But also in just understanding who God says I am. I think, you know, sometimes we can live, we can live with some lies we're not even aware we're living with. And I think, um, I think God's brought some real freedom to me over this last couple of years. And I, I, I love it. I love the walking with him and him knowing he wants me free he's he made me who I am and he wants to use who I am for his glory and I I look at people that God's brought to us and I think my heart for them is that for all of them it just is that God continues to bring freedom because when you're free you, you have a confidence to step out and like well I'm going to bring that prophetic word because actually I'm I'm living to serve him or I'm yeah, or I've seen myself this way, but this is how God sees me and therefore I've got this new confidence. So, yeah, I really, I, I, I suppose my heart really wants to see people like in, a, in an environment where they feel safe and where they can be honest and where they can find freedom and then where they can step out, step into all God has for them. Because that sounds really exciting um, and liberating mm. and wonderful. Oh, it's amazing. It does seem that it's a couple of things as well that, just maybe it's in the West generally as well that we're really um, insecure, don't know our identities, um, but also with the breakdown of family life in lots of respects, the, the need for the church to, to offer and to recapture and reclaim and make sure it celebrates what it is that God's given us uniquely to offer as, a, as an extended family to people and as a sense of acceptance. This is who you are in Christ. You may have moved halfway across the world but you're not and you know we're all aliens and strangers but you belong here and these are your people uh, how do you how do you do that then how do you how do you help cultivate family within church and that sense of freedom and identity in Christ what's some thoughts that you've got on that well I think I think there are things you do but I think the first thing is about the culture you set so I think if I think in the end, culture always is the most dynamic and powerful part of any kind of church scenario. And so I think I think we have such a strong sense of wanting to create family that I'm hoping, I, I, I think that so far is happening, is that that is pervading what we do. So I think because we're relationally engaged with people, we're interested in them, we have people in our house, you know, we may... We make an effort, not because we feel like we ought to, but because we it's part of how we feel what we think is important. So I think that is flowing into the culture of the church. And so that's, I think, really important, just a comment about culture. It flows from the senior leaders and, you know, so I think it has to, if we want family, we have to help. We have to, like, embody that. And I think hopefully we are. 
And then there's just things things you do, like you create time for we eat together a lot, because that's what families do. We create a lot of space for that. We we just try and do simple things, like we go on walks together. We do the kind of things you do with our we do with our kids, um, and just create space for people to meet and know each other. And we model that, and we tell stories about what's going on, and we pray for each other. And it's just simple stuff, but it does it really does create a sense of family and connection and that is super precious mm. yeah and i think that's one of the uh, one of the, the things that i was talking to someone recently about discipleship in general actually that he was saying to me i really want a mentor to help me grow and i said well we can help you find a mentor but actually that happens more, most naturally when it grows out of relationships where you're just living alongside each other in life one of the challenges we face in the church is we know we're called to make disciples but we just don't know how to program that well i don't know if you can necessarily program disciple making it 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 has to we want it to happen intentionally but it has to happen organically within relationship and often that requires a lot of man hours contact time doesn't it of people like you said eating together walking together doing life together i i i mean i'm not an expert on this but i have a sense at least that we can program stuff, but if we don't program stuff, which is an embodiment of the culture we have, we don't really, it, it's not very effective. I think where it becomes effective is if we have a culture of people, you know, growing people, investing in people, seeing people, valuing people, hearing people, you know, leaders who stop and listen, who, you know, talk to people who maybe are not the most obviously impressive people in the room, you know, valuing people. When we build that kind of culture and we are doing things in such a way that we're clearly interested in growing people and then you create some kind of system or process that, that then I think you can get some synergy, you know, of how we're going to invest in things, you're going to come on a course. That's all good. But you do that without this, I'm not convinced that's that effective. I'm sure it can do some good things, but I think those the culture thing is so key, I think, on this. Um, I've not bottomed that out what that means but i do think that's a massive like creating a greenhouse i think we've got to create a greenhouse that people like it's very conducive to grow in this there's it's safe you can risk stuff you'll get given opportunities you'll get good feedback you'll be kind but it'll be clear you know or let's create a greenhouse where mm. it's the most conducive environment for people to grow and let's have faith mm. for people to grow mm. that's amazing and that that's you that's you drawing from those years of ministry experience that's there. So it's that kind of fusion of faith and experience um, and you can desire for the culture of the church there. I love that. Sarah, I interrupted you. I'm very sorry. When you were going to start talking about how you, how you talk about freedom and identity and help people grasp that. No, well, I just in terms of growth, I suppose, I, I think there's, I think, I think we're probably quite open and honest. And I think then it gives permission for other people to be open and honest. So if people don't know that I have struggles, then they're probably, it doesn't, yeah. It's a, probably helping, actually being open and honest with people about things we struggle with and allowing people to support us, not just supporting them. But I think there's, as well, just I, I love encouragement. I love giving it and receiving it because I, that whole thing of speaking courage into people. So I think in people's journeys, just encouraging them in what you see in them and when, when you know it's cost them to pray out or to step out or to bring that or to do that or, yeah. and just, just trying to, trying to, you know, like I suppose with our kids, you know, when you see them being brave or 
generous or kind or just going, oh, that's, that was great. Well done. Well done for noticing that person. Well done for... Yeah. And so just, just trying to bring lots of encouragement, which gives courage to people to go, yeah, I, this is a safe place to step. Um, and then just asking for the Holy Spirit just to come and do what the bits that only he can do of revealing things in our hearts and healing things in our hearts and binding up wounds and oh, yeah, bringing that restoration that he yeah. so wonderfully and beautifully does. That's really helpful. And both of you, again, is just that reminder of all that you're saying. And the Lord, Lord asks us to join him in build, helping to build his church. We're actually talking about people. Like in that, it's not people, a general mass of faces. It's individual human beings. And it, this is the stuff of church. You know, the, like I think what you shared about the interplay between programs and, and culture is really important. But Because this isn't actually about trying to create a systematized institutional kind of brand or just concept called church or like cafe they deliver coffee like church our thing that we deliver is supposed to be making uh, making individuals feel seen heard appreciated loved and grown um that's beautiful really helpful guys we've um we've we've run out of time um but before we go i'd love to just hear if there's anything else that's in your heart or mind that we haven't um talked about so far but also how can people connect with you in the church in rotterdam um yeah over to you i don't i guess my only other thing to say is just and this sounds very generic but i i do think trying to sense what what god is doing and we're, we're literally just and it sounds so simple and maybe i'm going to look back and think this is a bit simplistic but I literally think we're trying to do what we see God do. You know, and Jesus goes, I only do what I see the Father doing. And I I think, well, what does that mean? And I just think sometimes there are seasons, you know, as a church plant, well, let's just do this. And, or sometimes it's like that prompting of, let's just call that person. Or I'm just going to message that person. And it's that little prompt. So it's going to be in the very small areas or the bigger area of how we're going to operate as a church. But that sense of, God, what are you doing right now? Or who do you want me to call? Or, you know, because you can't get to everybody. So I just think... Uh, I'm just really trying to be sensitive to what God is doing, you know, either with the individual or with, the, with us all together. Mm. Um, yeah, and just trying to be in the flow of that and not worrying about all the things we can't get to, if that makes sense. Oh, that's superb. Thank you so much for your time today, for your, yeah, experience, your example to us, your faith, your courage and everything. We're praying for you and cheering you on and so thrilled to be on this adventure together as New Ground Churches. So thank you so much. Well, there we have it. A really remarkable couple. Uh, it was a real joy and privilege to speak to them. I hope you feel stirred and encouraged. I love their tenderness and openness to God, their hunger for him to speak to them and their willingness to partner with him. Even after, as we said, a couple of decades at least of ministry experience, it's just wonderful that the Lord always has new things for us. If you want to connect more with Sarah, I'll put a link to their blog and website in the description to today's episode. Maybe just get in touch, send them an encouragement, pray for them, send them a prophetic word, who knows. Uh, but thanks so much for listening in today. And I look forward to being with you again as we bring you the next installment of Life and Leadership. God bless and have a great new year.